Welcome to the Redeemer East Harlem podcast. We pray this message leads you both to know and show the love of Christ in all areas of life. We will now dive into our scripture reading, followed by this week's message. Today God speaks to us from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, and verses 22 to 25. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. All right, good morning. Okay, there we go, ready to go. Um, It's so great to be here with you all. Thank you for that uh, introduction, Ariel. And uh, yeah, I've had a lot of respect and admiration from afar um, for Redeemer East Harlem and what you guys are doing here. And I've been wanting to worship with you guys. So really honored to be here and to share the word of God with you today. So thanks for having me. Um, I know we're coming to the end of a long uh, summer series on the fruit of the Spirit where we've been looking at what it looks like to grow in Christian character, uh, to become more and more like Jesus uh, in our lives, and uh, display things like love, joy, patience, goodness, uh, all these good things in our character, to look more like Jesus. And we're closing out this series today by looking at what it means to walk with the Spirit. Uh, So all these great things uh, we've learned about, we've uh, thought about over the past 13 weeks, How do we continue to live out our lives in such a way that we're empowered by the Spirit to continue to grow in all these different areas? And so that's what we're looking at today. And uh, we're going to look at three things. So we're going to look at the new dynamic, and then the new drama, and then finally new directions. So new dynamic, new drama, and new directions. All right, so new dynamic. Um, So I think in the earlier sermons in this series, Pastor Justin, he talked about how Jesus, when he came and when he comes into our lives, he's come to set us free. He's come to call us to live a life of freedom. And one of the ways he set us free is that he set us free from the law. Uh, You know, the scripture said here, um, I think JD, is that right? You read for us, uh, verse 18, it says, if you're led by the spirit, you are no longer under the law. We've been set free from being under the law, being under the law's condemnation, but also feeling like we have to obey the law of God in order to be accepted by God. You see, the Spirit comes and transforms and brings a new dynamic. See, most people, when they think of religion, what they think of is, oh, I need to obey the law to be accepted by God. And so the dynamic, the motivation there is, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to stop doing this, stop doing that, in order for God to love me and accept me. What Paul is saying here, and what he's saying here in Galatians, what it means to walk by the Spirit, is you're no longer under the law. You're set free from the law. Because Jesus has come to set us free. You no longer have to obey the law to be accepted by God, because we're accepted through what Jesus has done. But then comes another dynamic, another question where, well, 
if I don't need to obey the law to be accepted by God, if I'm accepted and loved by God because of what Jesus has done, then why obey the law at all? Why do I need to live a moral life, an upright life, a life following God's ways? Why can't I just do whatever I want? And the way that Paul talks about it here, and the way the Galatians were talking about it, were that, that was a life what he calls indulging the flesh. And what is the flesh? I know uh, Justin uh, talked about this a few weeks ago, but the flesh is actually not talking about our physical body. Often when you think about the flesh, you think about, oh, that's the physical part of who I am as opposed to the soul. But Paul's talking about, when he talks about the flesh, he's talking about every part of us, our whole being that is set against God, that's in rebellion to God. So that's both intellectually, spiritually, emotionally, physically, every aspect of who we are that's set against God, in opposition to God. Every part of us that says, I don't want God to rule over me. I don't need someone to tell me how to live my life. I don't need anyone to tell me what to do. No, I'm, I'm competent enough to run my life. I'm fine. Thank you very much. And so there's two problems here because you know, there was a group of Galatians that were like, oh, you need to obey the law of God to be accepted. And Paul's like, no, Jesus has set you free from the law. And then others are responding like, well, if he set me free, then I can just do what I want, live however I want. And Paul's like, no, you can't just live however you want. And so what's the answer? What's the third way beyond these two ways? And that's what Paul says here in verse 16. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit. This is the solution. This is the answer. This is the way that we can still continue to live in such a way that we're actually obeying the law, but doing it not out of external pressure or external force in order to be accepted by God, but instead by a new internal dynamic that is worked by the Holy Spirit. You see, when you become a Christian, when you receive Jesus into your life, what happens is this Holy Spirit comes into your life from outside. And what the Spirit does is the Spirit produces new desires in your heart. New taste buds, tastes for different things that were not there before. Have you guys ever experienced uh, acquired tastes? Things that when you first try them, it's like, oh, like, why would I ever eat broccoli or kale? Right? It's like, it's gross, it's disgusting. This is what I was like before I met my wife. But now we've been married for 12 years, and it's so funny, but over those 12 years, my taste buds have adapted more and more to hers. Now I'm like eating salads for a meal. I would have never dreamed of doing that. Something like, salad's not a meal? You know what? But now I, now I enjoy salads. I mean, you got to get a little mean in there, right? Uh, but you got to balance it out, okay? You know, there's, there's a certain uh, you know, measure of that. But um, see, what God does is the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and actually produces new taste buds, new desires for things like holiness, for things like God, longings after God, longings to become more like God, to longings to walk in God's ways, to walk in love, to walk in peace, to walk in patience, to walk in all these things that weren't part of who we were before. These desires have come in from the outside by the Holy Spirit. And so what we're actually doing is you, you start to live in such a way that you're fulfilling the demand of the law, but you're not doing it in response to a demand. See, you're fulfilling the requirements of the law, like love others, but you're not doing it as a response to a requirement. 
It's not pressure coming from the outside that's trying to bend your will and force you to live in such a way. No, it's a new dynamic from inside your own heart that the Spirit has come and implanted these new desires so that you're changing from the inside out. Where instead, it's, you know, instead of the old way, which was, oh, I need to obey the law so God will accept me, or the way of license, which said, well, if God accepts me through Jesus, then why do I need to obey the law? No, instead of those two things, it's, no, I want to obey the law of God because He already loves me through Jesus, because He already accepts me, because God is better, He's more beautiful, He's more desirable, walking in His ways is more desirable from within, from our own hearts. And man, think about that. Imagine a life like that where all your desires inside you were the things you most deeply want, where your desires actually line up and the way you live your life lines up with what you most deeply want to do and the kind of person you most deeply want to be. I mean, that's a life of freedom right there. That's a life of freedom. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, if you walk by the Spirit, if you learn to keep in step with the Holy Spirit in your life, producing these desires, and walking and living into those desires rather than the flesh, rather than the old self, then you will know this kind of freedom. The fruit of the Spirit you'll just, will just be naturally flowing. And you'll be growing in these things. Love, joy, peace. Now think about a metal rod where you can put pressure on it and you can bend it, but then you know, it's, it's, it's like you're kind of you know, messing with the metal, right? But think about if you take that metal rod, instead of putting all this external pressure, you heat it up under the fire. And then it's changing from the inside, the composition of that metal. And it's easier to move and bend. It's not this force being put, but it's actually able to change. Or think about it this way. I know I'm giving several illustrations trying to give you a picture of this. And I couldn't think of a better one. But think about, uh, I know we're living in a time of you know, viruses, coronaviruses, things like, uh, things like that. But think about uh, a zombie virus. <laughs> Where this virus comes from outside of you. It wasn't inside you before, but then this new life comes inside and actually will begin to dominate and grow more and more into your life, which will destroy your old life, your old self, but it will take over. And in the exact opposite way, like I said, I couldn't think of a better illustration, but the exact opposite way, the Holy Spirit, when you become a Christian, when you receive and trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and it's this power that comes in. First, it starts like a seed, and it's so small. But what you see is there are these new desires coming in, and eventually it's going to take over your whole life. It's going to dominate your old self, the flesh, with all its fleshly, sinful desires. But it's going to take time. But eventually, it will take over. And the Holy Spirit has come. And that's what God has come to do. To live in us through the Holy Spirit. And say, I want my life to be flowing and to be produced in you in such an internal, organic, natural, spontaneous way where you're freely obeying and walking in my ways. Not because of this pressure, like, oh, you better obey. Not because of these demands, but from within. See, that's the new dynamic of walking with the Spirit. So let me ask you, have you actually experienced these kinds of 
new taste buds. You know, most people think religion is just, oh, I gotta work my will, I gotta work myself up. Willpower, obey, no. It's this new dynamic, new taste buds that are coming from inside. Have you experienced that? Have you tasted that actually God is good, that He's better than your old way of life? See, that's what God has come to do by the Spirit. He's come to make us new people. See, a Christian is not simply someone who's made a commitment to follow God, but whose nature has been changed, who has been given a new heart. So we see there's a new dynamic, but second, we see there's a new drama. Right? Because if only it were so easy, though, my first point, it just made it like, oh, the Christian life is so easy. Just The Spirit just comes, and all you got to do is just follow the Spirit. But anyone who's been a Christian for longer than a week knows that it's a lot harder than that because there's a problem here. See, when you become a Christian, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, there's also a new drama. And maybe some of us are like, oh, I don't need any more drama in my life. But actually, when you become a Christian, there's gonna be drama in your life. Because, you know, actually in any good story, you need drama, you need conflict. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I don't know how many of you guys watched Ted Lasso, but uh, this is, you know, season two's been out, and. Critics have been, you know, starting to chirp about, oh, there's no drama, there's no conflict in the second season. The first season was really good, but second season, everyone's just laughing and having fun, and there's no problems. And it's like, it's not a good show. There's no story, there's no conflict, there's no drama. And you see, the Christian life will actually never be boring. It'll always be interesting because there's a drama that's playing out, there's a conflict, and here's the problem. Not only now do we have the Holy Spirit, but we also have this old self that's inside of us called flesh. And it's like two operating systems where you have Microsoft Windows and Apple OS X. You guys ever run like parallel uh, on your on your uh, Apple, uh, I'm not an Apple user, I'm sorry, right? Uh, and uh, you know, you have two different operating systems, but then, you know, it, the analogy breaks down because you can only use one operating system at the same time, but inside of us, these two operating systems, both the flesh and the spirit, are operating at the same time. And so you have the desires of the Spirit that are good and, and longing for things like holiness and God and, and joy and peace. And then you have the longings and desires of the flesh, which is trying to please yourself, satisfy yourself, be selfish, live your own life. And then you have these two sets of desires, and they are at civil war with each other. And they will not make peace. There can be no truce between the spirit and the flesh. And so, there's a conflict at the heart of the Christian life. See, when you become a Christian, you are walking into a fight. How many of you guys like a good fight? Don't raise your hands, that was a trick question. Right? We're in church here, this is Sunday, all right? But when you become a Christian, you're walking into a fight. And if you didn't know that, now you know. See, because some of us, we get surprised, like, oh, when I became a Christian, you know, when I was searching for God, I wanted Him to solve my problems. I didn't want Him to give me a new problem in my life. I wanted Him to take care of all this mess that was going on inside me, and all this mess that was going on around me, and surrounding me, and all these things. And then I become a Christian, and all of a sudden there's a new drama. There's a new set of problems. I thought God was supposed to make my life better. The part of becoming a Christian is, there's this new conflict. But actually what's happening is, you're not just adding a new conflict, you're trading one set of conflicts for another. Because before you knew God, before you trusted in Christ, you were also in a fight. 
even though you may not have known it. See, you were fighting against God. Because you didn't have the Holy Spirit. All you had was the flesh. And so every part of your being, whether you knew it or not, you were rebelling against God. Saying, I don't need God. I don't need anyone to rescue me. I don't need anyone to control me and look over me and tell me what to do and tell me how to live and all that. And so every part of you is just rejecting and rebelling against God. And so you were in a fight, whether you knew it or not. But actually, you're fighting against God's design for you. Because if He's the one who created us and made us, then He has a design and He knows what is best for us. And so when you become a Christian, you give up that old fight, which was a bad fight, because we're all going to lose that fight, but you're taking on a good fight. This new fight where other parts of the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. This is a good fight. Do you know why it's a good fight? And there are some fights, there are some struggles that are actually good for us. Because there are some ways that we need to grow, but growth can only come through a struggle. Where that growth can only come through a fight. You guys know what I'm talking about? See, we just came out of the Olympics. And if you want to compete at the Olympics, there are years and years of struggle. Years and years of fighting, laboring, pushing yourself harder than you thought you could before because you want to be a world-class athlete. You want to compete at that level. And so there's a struggle involved with that. You know, it's a, it's a good fight. You know, I'm getting into my late 30s now and I'm taking on new fights, new struggles where I'm trying to eat differently, I'm trying to exercise differently, and these are not the things that I was just comfortable with doing, but I realized, actually, as I'm getting, I need to take on these new struggles into my life because it's going to be for my good. This is going to make me stronger, it's going to make me healthier, it's going to make me more the kind of person that I want to be. And so there are certain fights that are good. And you see, the fight as a Christian is this Holy Spirit. Longings after holiness, longings for God, against the desires of the flesh. This is a good fight. Because you're fighting to become more of who you truly want to be. Like your deepest desires, we don't want to be selfish people. We don't want to be bitter people. We don't want to be begrudging, unforgiving people. We don't want to be people whose desires are all out of control. No, we want to be people who display love. And who doesn't want to be a loving person? We want to be people who have joy. We want to be people who know peace, who have self-control, who are, show kindness. This is who we want to be, and this is who we're called to be in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is helping us to get there, but along the way, there's a fight. There's a struggle. It doesn't come easy. We have to walk with the Spirit. You see, verse 18 says, the Spirit leads us if you're led by the Spirit. The Spirit leads, but we need to walk. We need to join in. We need to work with the Spirit to become the people that God wants us to be. So let me ask you, if you are a Christian here, and I know some of you may not be, you're not sure what you believe, but if you are a Christian, is there a fight in your life? Is there a struggle? against the flesh? Or have you gotten cozy with the enemy, the flesh, and its selfish desires? See, the worst thing you can do when you're fighting a war is to get cozy with the enemy and not even know it. Not even realize, man, you're set up for destruction. 
And yet, some of us, maybe, in our Christian lives, we've gotten complacent, we've begun to settle in, gotten cozy with the flesh, indulging the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh, our old self, and we're not fighting. And we're not struggling against them. And we're not fighting to walk with the Spirit. And I just want to encourage you, if that's you, fight against the flesh. Don't get cozy. Don't get complacent because this is a good fight. God wants you. This is not the person God wants you to be. This is not the person you want to be. No, the person you want to be is to become more like Jesus. Displaying the fruit of the Spirit. Growing in Christian character. But at the same time, maybe others of us, we have been fighting. But you know, sometimes fighting a fight can feel really discouraging when you're fighting and you're struggling, and yet you don't see a lot of measurable progress. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're putting so much energy, you're putting your heart into this, and you're not seeing significant advance. When you fight that kind of war, it's like, okay, well, what's the use? What's the purpose? And you become discouraged, you become weary. And I just want to encourage you, if that's you today, like, don't lose heart in this fight. Because eventually, that, I don't want to call the Holy Spirit a virus, but the Holy Spirit will win in the end. It's still working, it's still breathing these desires, and the Spirit will work with you as you work with the Spirit. Don't get discouraged, because this is God's purpose for you, to continue to struggle and grow into who He's called you to be. So whether that's things like addictions, whether that's things, bad habits that we can't seem to break, whether that's ways where we're being so selfish instead of loving and serving others, whatever it might be, the Christian life is a fight. But it's a good fight. And I love this quote by Ed Welch. Uh, he's a Christian author. He said, there's something about war that sharpens the senses. You hear a twig snap, or the rustling of leaves and you are in attack mode. Someone coughs and you're ready to pull the trigger. Even after days of little or no sleep, war keeps us vigilant. That's the kind of atmosphere that we're living in and breathing. The Christian life is a fight. So we saw a new dynamic and we saw a new drama, but finally new directions. Okay, looking at my clock here. All right, this is the best one, so um, let's, all right, so new directions. See, we see two things here that we're called to do in order to learn how to fight this good fight. And we see in verse 24, it says, verse, is it, okay. verse 24 says, crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. And then verse 25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So those are the two things. First, crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. What does that mean? If you think about the word crucify, like that is a violent term. To crucify the flesh. It means to murder. It means to kill. It means to put to death this part of us that's raging against God, that's in opposition to God. It's a violent term. It's not like saying, oh, just, you know, kind of be friends, be cozy with the flesh. Right? Don't, don't make too much of a fuss. No, actually crucify the flesh. See, there's a sense where as Christians, the flesh has been crucified. That part of us has been already put to death on the cross when Jesus died on the cross. 
See, because we're united to Him. But there's also a second sense where we have to continue to crucify the flesh throughout our daily lives. You see, what happened was, if you think about the flesh as a bear, like this mean bear that's trying to attack you. And you see, on the cross, the bear has been given a mortal wound. The decisive blow. The sword has entered into the heart of the bear. And so eventually, that wound is going to kill that bear. The life is going to come out of that bear. But sometimes, a wounded bear is more dangerous than a perfectly healthy bear. Because though a bear might be wounded, it can still lash out violently and attack you. In the same way, on the cross, our flesh has been given that mortal wound, and yet it still continues to live inside us, lashing out with its desires. And so we have to crucify the flesh. But how do we crucify it? Well, Paul says here, you've got to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. That means you've got to kill the flesh, not only at the level of behaviors on the surface, the things that we do, but you've got to kill the flesh at the level of the heart, at the level of motivations, with its passions and desires. See, you've got to know what are the things that your heart is longing for and desiring in the flesh. You've got to work at that level. And see, how does this work? You know, one of the uh, best ways that I've uh, seen talk about what does it mean to kill the passions and desires of the flesh was one of these... Um, Christians of old who lived a couple centuries ago, uh, he talked about, you know, when you, when you gaze on something, not just with your physical eyes, but when you gaze on something with your heart, with your imagination, you kind of like behold it, and you're looking at it, and you're setting your imagination on it, and what happens is, as you're gazing on it, your desires become inflamed, they become kindled, and you're actually like feeding your desires for this thing that you're gazing on and you're kind of fondling it in your imagination. It could be anything. It could be things like money. Oh, money. Success. Pleasure. You know, power. Whatever it is. As you gaze upon it and you hold it in your imagination, you're flaming, you're fanning the flames of your sinful desires for these things. And so to kill the flesh with these passions and desires, at that level, you got to know what your heart's imagination is gazing on. And you got to turn away your gaze before it's too late. Because, man, if you're feeding your desires, you know, it's going to start from a tiny little spark and you're fanning it into a flame. And you know, with a fire, man, once it grows into a flame, it's already too late. you got to kill it at the level of the desire. So whether that's envy and jealousy, or anger, or irritability, or anxiety, or whatever it might be. All these things, you gotta, you know, as you grow as a Christian, you begin to notice when these things begin to show up as a seed form, before they're fully fanned into flame. And you begin to become more uh, uh, cognizant, and you're able to identify when these desires are starting to arise, the desires of the flesh. And what you gotta do is, you got to turn to that and you got to say, that's not my life. That's not who I want to be. That's not what God wants me to be. That's not who I'm called to be. That's not what actually feeds me and makes me the person I want to be. And so you got to turn away your gaze. But, you know, when you, when you say, oh, don't think about that. Don't think about that. Don't look at that. What, what happens when you do that? Like, you can't stop thinking about it, right? So you can't just turn away your gaze. You can't just crucify the flesh. But you got to turn your gaze towards something more beautiful. And so we see here, you need to keep 
in step with the Spirit. I got only a couple minutes here. Okay, so keep in step with the Spirit. But this is the best part, all right? So I might go a couple minutes long. So you need to keep in step with the Spirit. First of all, how do you discern what is the desires of the Spirit? Because the Spirit longs after things that are good, things that are full of light and love and joy and peace and holiness. You see, uh, as you discern the things that the Spirit is desiring and awakening in you, you got to walk in step. It's like, imagine a dance, and the Spirit is leading, and you're following step by step. You know, imagine the Spirit is the wind that's blowing in the sails, and you got to follow in the direction of the Spirit. You see, before I became a Christian, uh, and this is being recorded, right? But I'm going to confess. Uh, before I became a Christian, I, I did a lot of things that were of the flesh because that's all I knew how to do. One of the things I did was I used to cheat uh, in school. And I thought I was pretty good at it because I never got caught. Uh, but, you know, I was cheating in, my, in my, one of my exams. And I had just become a Christian. But I didn't know too much about what it meant to live out the Christian life. And so, you know, here I was at my exam, and I was getting ready to do my thing. And then all of a sudden, there was this piercing, like a knife, like, like this piercing in my heart. It was like, no, this is not the way. This is not what God wants of you. It was just cutting me. And I was like, what the heck? Like, the, where is this coming from? I've never experienced something like this before. And so I was like, oh, man, like... I'm going to fail this exam. <laughs> and I did. I, 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 I bombed that exam. I got like a 55 or something, right? But I put away my cheat sheet because the Spirit was convicting me and showing one step to take. Keep in step with the Spirit. This is not the way of the Spirit. This is not the way of joy. This is not the way of faithfulness. This is not the way that God has let out for me. And so... I failed. I, I eventually brought my grade up. I got like a B or I don't, I don't know what I did I, in that class. But I realized, oh, actually, like, you got to keep in step with the Spirit. There was all these areas in my life that one by one, the Spirit was putting His finger on. Like a gentle pressure. Like this area of your life, Paul. You're really bitter at this person. And the Spirit would just convict me. One step at a time. You gotta walk in love. You gotta walk in mercy and forgiveness. I'm like, God, I don't wanna forgive that person. Do you know what they It's like, it's just this, this pressure, this, this pressing, this spirit. So put away the desires of the flesh. That's not who you wanna be. That's not what I've called you to be. Walk in holiness. Walk in my ways. And you see, as you walk with the spirit, you learn to discern more and more what is the leading of the spirit. See, I don't know if any of you guys go fishing here. Um, but when you fish, when you first start to fish, like you can't tell the difference between when a fish is caught on the line or if it's like some seaweed or, or a boot or something else. You know what I mean? Like it all feels the same to you and you pull it out. It's like, oh, this is not a fish. This is just seaweed. Oh, this is just whatever it is. But as you become experienced with fishing, you're able to tell the difference on the line. You can tell it by the tug. It's like, oh, that's, there's life on that line. Oh, that's a fish. Let's pull that up. See, as you walk with the Spirit, as you respond to the initial steps that the Spirit leads you, you become better able to discern. This is the Spirit putting His finger on this area of my life. I can tell the gentle pressure and tug calling me to walk in the ways of the Spirit. 
and you learn to yield. And the more you yield, the more you keep in step with the Spirit, the more and more you live a life of freedom, the more and more you display the fruit of the Spirit in your life, the more and more you're becoming the person you want to be. And you know, imagine this. When you meet someone that you really respect and you really admire, just imagine the person you admire the most. And you get to know this person and they want to have a relationship with you. And like you're able to actually walk with this person, have a relationship continuing with them. Think about it. You don't want to cut off that relationship, right? Like you want to continue to walk with that person. You don't want to lose that friendship or that spouse or whoever it is. In the same way, the Holy Spirit, God Himself, wants to walk with us. He wants to live inside us. He is living inside us. He wants us to walk in close fellowship and intimacy with Him. That is a privilege. Like, why would you want to lose that? By walking out of step and indulging the flesh? No. When the Spirit gives you these new desires, these, this is who you want to be. And Paul's telling us here, walk with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Don't cut off that, cut off that fellowship. And you will know a life of love and joy. Okay, a couple final things. Um, one of the ways that you can actually cultivate the desires of the Spirit is things like worship. Man, the worship here, God free and the worship team, man, that worship, what, what was happening? What, what happens in worship when you're setting your gaze on God and His beauty, His glory, and you, and you pray, open the eyes of my heart, I want to see your glory. And as your heart begins to gaze on God, it begins to transform your desires, right? All your fleshly desires begin to fade away. And your desires for God are kindled. We need to do this regularly. And maybe not even just once a week, regularly in our own lives. Second thing is prayer. Actually coming honestly before God. Sometimes even confessing, just like uh, Luis led us in prayer earlier. Confessing our wrong fleshly desires. And acknowledging in an honest way, God, but this is not actually what I most truly want. In the Holy Spirit, what I most truly want is to follow you. Lord, help me to see that you're enough. Help me to see that I can trust you, I can follow you, I can walk after your ways. Alright, so let's close. There's a new dynamic in the Spirit. There's a new drama because of the flesh. But with these new directions, let's crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. Let us keep in step with the Spirit, one step at a time, one day at a time. And may we be able to say with the Apostle Paul, looking back at the end of our lives, when he said, I have fought the good fight. Looking back and being able to see, man, look how far the Spirit has led me. This is who I used to be. So selfish, such a mess, such a tangle of desires. And yet I become more and more like Jesus. Fruitful. Bearing fruit for the rest of our days. May that be so of us. Alright, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, that when you have come to save us in Jesus, that you have not left us alone, but you have given us of your Holy Spirit. What a gift that you have come to live inside us and you are producing a new life, a new dynamic to want to follow you and to walk in your ways. And yet, Lord, we confess many times it's hard because of the flesh. 
And yet, Lord, would you help us, train us, teach us to walk in the Spirit, to keep in step, because that is truly what we most want to do and who we most want to be. Would you make it so in our lives, to your glory, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Redeemer East Harlem podcast. For more information on our church and how you can support what God is doing through our church, go to www.reh.nyc.